This podcast is hosted by Dr. Happymon Jacob. Dr. Jacob is an associate professor of security studies at Jawaharlal Nehru University, New Delhi. His weekly column on India's national security and foreign policy issues is published by The Hindu. He is also the author of two new books on India-Pakistan border, Line on Fire by Oxford University Press and Line of Control by Penguin India. Hello and welcome to the National Security Conversation. The United States of America is days away from a complete military withdrawal from Afghanistan. In 19 years, the United States suffered over 22,000 military casualties in Afghanistan. In a 2020 report, the US Defense Department said that its war fighting costs in Afghanistan amounted to some 815 billion US dollars. After a two decade long war against terror, Afghanistan today is in the middle of yet another civil war. According to a US intelligence report, a civilian government in Kabul could, and I quote, collapse within six months of US withdrawal. That could further aggravate the power vacuum and lead to the fragmentation of the country along ethnic lines with dire consequences for the entire region. So what will be its consequences for regional geopolitics? More importantly for us in India, what is India's future Afghan policy going to be like? While there have been speculations about and reports about back-channel talks between India and the Taliban, India has already issued a detailed and specific security alert for its nationals in Afghanistan, advising vigilance against a serious threat of kidnapping. To discuss the fate of post-American Afghanistan under the shadow of the Taliban rule and its geopolitical consequences, I have with me senior Pakistani journalist Zahid Hussain. He's a columnist for the Pakistani newspaper Dawn. Mr. Hussain is also the author of a new book, No Win War, The Paradox of U.S.-Pakistan Relations in Afghanistan's Shadow. Zahid Zab, welcome to the National Security Conversation. It's uh, a pleasure to have you on my show. Thank you, Happy Moon, uh, for having me in your program. And um, yeah, so a lot of lot of things are happening. So obviously, there will be much more interest now on in the situation. Absolutely, absolutely. Size up. Let me begin with a uh, sort of general question. The United States is days away from a complete withdrawal of its forces from Afghanistan, much before the September 11 deadline. Uh, and the Taliban has refused to join the proposed U.S.-sponsored uh, intra-Afghan talks. So what lies in store uh, for Afghanistan? Well, I think it's a very serious situation developing in Afghanistan. In fact, um, uh, we are all, they are already very close to a civil war. In fact, actually, if you ask me, uh, uh, it has already started. Um, because um, the American forces are leaving Afghanistan without a political settlement in place, uh, which means actually that the fighting ha- will intensify. It has already intensified, and there's no indication as yet that the uh, Taliban will be uh, will be willing to uh, sit on the negotiating table with Afghan government at this point of time. And probably what is their, their strategy seems very clear. They want to uh, have uh, militarily uh, uh, control as, as much territory as possible. And I think probably uh, uh, that is, uh, so we will see uh, much more, uh, 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 much more fighting inside. In fact, the situation has gotten worse, in fact, because after, uh, after the withdrawal of American forces, although there were uh, not more than 6,000 for the last one year, uh, it has given uh, uh, the Afghan forces some kind of you know, moral support. But now, actually, with American forces gone, uh, I think probably that would be a test for Afghan, Afghan forces. And already we have seen that um, the Taliban have gained ground in those areas also, which were not supposed to be their, uh, their main support base in northern Afghanistan. Zaizab, let me put it to you quite directly. How long do you think the uh, Ashraf Ghani government in Kabul lasts after the American troops withdraw from Afghanistan? Uh, one cannot really uh, say that Afghan government is very weak at this point of time, but uh, there is also a military balance. I, I don't think Taliban are still in a position to take over Kabul, uh, and I think that they, uh, they would not want to, because if you see it, they have a control over a certain area, but uh, still uh, they're not very close to uh, coming Kabul, and I don't think they will do that. 
So uh, if if Afghani uh, government survival will also depend on other factors rather than a military takeover by uh, by Taliban. In fact, I believe uh, it will depend on how uh, how the war is being fought. Number one and number two, how is able to handle other factions within the ruling uh, ruling. Uh, there's already uh, some kind of voices coming from Afghanistan. Uh, 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 anti-Taliban forces that uh, there should be some kind of interim government uh, and President Ghani should go. So they, he will be facing a lot of uh, pressure from inside. So what are some of the other factors apart from the military balance you think that will shape the uh, you know um, internal politics in Afghanistan that needs to come? Well, actually, the, uh, the, the two three uh, developments are very, very serious. Um, uh, you might have seen as uh, the fighting has intensified in northern Afghanistan, particularly as uh, the former Mujahideen leaders, uh, commanders, um, have started reviving their militia. Like we have seen, uh, Dostam has uh, now organizing his own militia, uh, and Ismail Khan in Herat, Atta Muhammad uh, also has. So, in fact, actually, it is a double-edged sword. Um, they may have some kind of uh, affiliation. Or association with Afghan government, but they they will be fighting more for their for the protection of their freedom. So in a way, actually, uh, the rise of militia forces, I think, will also diminish the authority of uh, Afghan government. Interesting. I mean, you you have written in the recent past that uh, there is fierce fighting going on in at least twenty six of thirty four of Afghan's Afghan provinces. Um, so. With no political settlement in, in sight, are we looking at yet another civil war in Afghanistan? Well, actually, civil war has already started, as I said. I mean, like, um, uh, how would you define a civil war? Uh, there is already, uh, already uh, fighting going on uh, on a large part of Afghanistan, and uh, particularly with the uh, with Taliban latest offensive in northern Afghanistan, things have gone uh, uh, quite worse. In fact, actually, there are several. Uh, they are actually on the uh, on the fringe of several major towns, and uh, so there is always a threat of you know it completely going into uh, out of control. And uh, at that point, I don't. And the situation is particularly more serious because there is no indication of any kind of political settlement in, in at least near future. You know, sitting here in in Delhi, it is difficult for us to sort of gauge. Um, um, what really is happening in Afghanistan beyond the point. Um, what, therefore, in your opinion, will the, um, uh, will the shape of Afghan domestic politics be in the, in the sort of days to come? Will, will there be a political settlement? Is a political settlement possible at all? Or will the Taliban slaughter its way into power in Afghanistan? I mean, I've, I've read, I think you yourself have written elsewhere, that the, the Taliban is negotiating with various uh, factions, uh, even in the north. Unlike in the uh, you know uh, unlike last time, so the Taliban is opening up. There seems to be a certain uh, inclusivity within the uh, Taliban ranks and in the uh, leadership today. So is that is that uh, uh, something that's promising? How do you sort of look at this phenomenon? Well, actually, yes, Taliban um, are much more seem much more confident. Uh, they have uh, some kind of strategy. Uh, on one side, they feel uh, uh, that they can. Take, uh, take control of a large part of Afghanistan militarily. And on the other side, they are also uh, going from uh, some kind of, uh, they're, they're, they are politically very pragmatic now. Uh, uh, Taliban was seen as purely Pashtun movement, and they have, have, been, have been locked in fighting uh, um, against uh, some uh, other minority groups uh, like Al-Bad, Hazaras, and uh, so many other things. But now what they have changed, it's not new, but for the last few years, they have started recruiting or including uh, some, of them, uh, some of the people from the northern district in their Majlis Shura or Central Decision Making Council. Uh, so we have seen actually that um, it's no more can be seen or they're trying to show that they are no, not a Pashtun uh, exclusive uh, uh, group. Uh, they have actually almost one fourth of the members of the top uh, uh, their council uh, are belong to different uh, ethnic groups. I think probably that is uh, uh, that uh, way. That's a way uh, Taliban want to approach. Uh, they don't don't they don't feel like we at this point of time to sit with Kabul government. They're also hoping that uh, Kabul government fall on its own weight.
uh, then actually let's see actually what, what that actually will be. But one thing I, will, I must say that uh, they are also aware that it is no more 1996 vision, that they can sweep across uh, 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 in a large part of Afghanistan and take control of Kabul. I doubt it very much that they can literally take over Kabul. But what their strategy seems to be at this point of time to, uh, to, uh, to have the control of larger part of Afghanistan, wherever they have uh, already have prisons, and also uh, some major towns. But, uh, uh, but I doubt it very much that they will try to enter Kabul because um, uh, it will not be easy for them uh, to control it, number one. Number two, actually, they will, they will also face a huge resistance. Uh, so, uh, so the, uh, and I think probably uh, while, uh, uh, while saying that uh, uh, the, more, the morale of Afghan forces have, is, has, is very low at this point of time, but they are also very well trained, and I think probably when they will feel that uh, things are going uh, completely, uh, uh, you know, at this point, Taliban takeover, if they feel that is imminent, then they will fight it out. And I think probably they are capable uh, of um, uh, of resisting uh, at least actually some major or protecting some major towns in Afghanistan. And but it all depends actually what and how uh, with the American or other Western power continue to, uh, to provide them financial support. So in a way, actually, I must, it, it, it reminds me of 19, uh, early 1980s after the situation in Afghanistan after withdrawal of uh, Soviet forces. So three years, for three years, the communist government uh, headed by Najibullah, they, uh, they, they defended uh, Kabul and defended the last part of Afghanistan. But when uh, Yeltsin withdrew financial support, then they collapsed. So I think they, it, it depends on various uh, factors um, that. Uh... Right, right, right. You know, um, I'm, I'm trying to understand the rationale behind the Taliban's decision not to engage in an Indra-Afghan um, sort of uh, dialogue with, with the Ghani administration. What is the logic behind that? Why not go for a power sharing agreement? Well, actually, uh, one thing uh, Taliban feel uh, confident that they can uh, uh, they, uh, they can talk with position position of strength, and that they can they have got the international legitimacy after mm -hmm. uh, Doha agreement with the Americans. They have that kind of uh, uh, legitimacy now. Uh, then actually, literally, they uh, they they have a large part uh, under their control. So that has also given them some kind of, um, uh, of confidence. The third thing they feel that the Kabul government um, or uh, one national army would not be able to withstand their offensive. So this is basically kind of their thinking or vision. Um, uh, so uh, they may be, I think my hunch is that they may be able to, uh, they will be willing to sit on the negotiating table. Uh, once they feel that they have actually, um, have, can, can talk with position of strength and they're also testing the one national army. That is right. Um, you know, we, we mentioned about uh, the more inclusive Taliban um, a little while ago. You mentioned about the more inclusive Taliban a little while ago. Has, has there been a change of heart um, within the Taliban? You know, when it comes to some of the um, views about minorities or about women, are they more progressive today? What's your, what's your sense of um, um, Taliban today compared to what they used to be, a very puritanical force uh, in the 90s? Well, they cannot be, be like that. They also understand that uh, that things have changed in Afghanistan for the last 20 years. Uh, the, uh, you know, the, a new generation of Afghan have come out, edu more educated, and they have a different worldview altogether. So they also understand it, and I think probably uh, uh, they feel that uh, that uh, they cannot impose the same kind of Islamic emirates as it was before 2001. Uh, so um, uh, they had also given some kind of indication that they they would accept a pluralistic form of uh, system of government. So, but it's very still vague. They have not come out a very clear, uh, you know, political agenda that whether they would be able, they will be willing to participate in the elections. Um, so all those questions remain there. But um, I would say that um, if you remember. Um, uh, Sirajuddin Haqqani's op-ed piece in uh, in New York Times uh, last year. And he sounded very actually like very liberal and uh, also it seems to be understanding the changing dynamics in Afghan society. He has also assured, tried to assure Afghan that they will not 
put any restriction on women uh, women education but saying all that it also uh, i think uh, one cannot be sure that taliban will completely change uh, because it's also depend actually who are the and uh, local commanders uh, how are their views are they more radical um, uh, but the, all those questions remains to be, i mean to be seen uh, and i think um, as far as the main leadership concerned like for example brother he gives an impression that he's much more liberal uh, and much more progressive in that way that he would accept you know the changes uh, uh, that has come into afghan uh, society but um, uh, one is not very clear actually whether they have completely changed i doubt it very much that they can they would change their world view completely they could be more accommodating i would say uh politically and they they, they also understand that uh, their attempt a bit to have a complete control of our afghanistan um and establish old style of islamic emirate will not be accepted by large part of uh, afghan population and also the surrounding and neighboring countries right you know that that brings me to the question of um, whether or not the taliban is a monolith um are there are there sort of major factions within the taliban have you been a long long time observer of the uh, taliban uh, you written a lot about it what's your sense of what makes up the taliban as as an entity and what are some of the key factions and how how the existence of this factionalism within uh, the taliban would uh, impact on an eventual settlement um in, in within afghanistan well i think for one thing is very clear that uh, the change of command and taliban are still very intact and uh, they have a strong leadership control but um, uh, uh, saying that it does not mean that there are not other views also yeah. uh, they uh, as i said earlier they have not come out very clearly on their political agenda what do they really want uh, to be uh, to be a one political system uh, so uh, so certainly there will be other faction there will be hardliner who would feel that they have defeated america and they they and what was the uh, and after giving that kind of sacrifice they need to establish their rule so i think uh, the real test for for the taliban leadership will come now because um, so far they have been fighting against the foreign forces and that was the you know uh, thing that they would they were they were able to mobilize support among the one that uh, this the jihad against foreign forces now the dynamics will completely change now they it will be more they will be fighting a war of different afghan groups so that that will be a quite important that way uh, so how will they manage their uh, their uh, their, uh, their control over the uh, organization overall and the second thing is that uh, uh, militarily also so uh, i think uh, uh, it is also very testing time for the taliban leadership within taliban leadership you, you ask me they are uh, and, uh, they have different uh, uh, they have very uh, you know um, uh, world view well not world view but point of view um, and uh, they, some of them are still sticking to the old uh, ways but others feel that no they have to change so that will be also a struggle within taliban right you know you wrote in the dawn newspaper some 3 weeks ago and i thought uh, the taliban's military success across the border is ominous for pakistan's national security it is bound to exacerbate the country's own problems of militancy in the border areas and religious extremism inside the country most perturbing is the report of transnational militant groups stepping up activities along the pak afghan border regions uh you know pakistan has directly and indirectly supported the taliban and it is widely assumed that pakistan is quite happy about taliban's victory in afghanistan you seem to have a slightly uh nuanced view uh, kindly explain that yes well i think um, yes you 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 are right actually um, pakistan did provide support to the uh, taliban but as most uh, large number of them leadership Uh, were based in Pakistan. Their family were living in Pakistan. So, but it was a different uh, context altogether. You know, uh, during uh, during that war in Afghanistan, Pakistan has its own reservation about the way the 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 war was going in Afghanistan, and also actually there was um, a lot of concern time, over which which time period are you mentioning? I I'm talking about last twenty years uh, before uh, Doha agreement. 
So that was a different situation altogether when you are saying that uh, we were actually, uh, if not directly, but indirectly, we were supporting Taliban because we were Pakistan uh, establishment thought that uh, they, they were not sure actually what kind of situation will develop. And it was very, it has become very clear over the last several years, in fact, the last one decade, that America was not going to win that war literally. And that Pakistan has always put pressure or had consistently held that view that, uh, that uh, Americans should talk directly to Taliban. So in a way, it was kind of heading of, uh, uh, against uncertain situation in Afghanistan. It was not that they were ideologically supporting um, Taliban. In fact, actually, uh, uh, then, but uh, Pakistan's position was that, um, that uh, Taliban should become uh, uh, kind of uh, part of the mainstream politics in Afghanistan. They should be a, a shareholder in the, or stakeholder in the, in the uh, uh, political system. But um, uh, I don't think Pakistan uh, will, very happy, will be happy to see Taliban taking work Well, I don't think so. That's correct. Uh, because lots of, uh, there's a kind of uh, understanding that Pakistan warned the Taliban rule in Afghanistan, that's not correct. Because so, things, why, why, do you think, why do you think so? Why do you think so? I mean, two what, what two is Pakistan's, let, let me sort of nuance that question. What is Pakistan's best bet? I mean, you know, uh, the, the Karzai administration and then the Ghani administration were both seen pretty close to India, for instance, uh, whereas the Taliban is not seen to be pretty close to, uh, close, close to India at all. Um, so, given given this dynamics, it is widely believed that Pakistan would prefer a Taliban dominated Afghanistan. So, you seem to disagree with that. Why? Well, uh, 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 happy moon. Uh, they always actually depend on the situation. Like it's not 1990s when Pakistan was fully backing the Taliban government in Afghanistan. That was not the time when Pakistan uh, faced uh, that militancy problem in the country. But, uh, uh, but last 20 years, we have seen that um, uh, many changes have come in Pakistan. Pakistan was actually, uh, 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 was fighting its own war against militancy. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think at one point, um, you know, that uh, a large part of tribe, so uh, formerly tab, uh, tribal area had almost fallen under the control of uh, what's described as Pakistani Taliban. Mm -hmm. So rise of Pakistani Taliban, and rise of Islamic militancy with a specific Pakistani agenda has changed the whole dynamic. Pakistan, uh, that's why actually Pakistan was desperate that, that some kind of political settlement takes place in Afghanistan and with Taliban, you know, uh, part of it. And that's a, uh, that's a famous word that, uh, we, we, we heard about that we want Taliban to look towards Kabul and not towards Islamabad. So that was the thing. And then actually the, the thing is that Tariq Taliban Pakistan, which is supposed to be a specific with a specific agenda uh, to, to bring Sharia system in, uh, in in parts of Pakistan, uh, they may have there may be differences between Afghan Taliban and Pakistani Taliban uh, on the objective. They were but their worldview was exactly the same. Number one, number two, uh, before uh, the formation of Tariq Taliban Pakistan in 2007. Most of those leaders who founded this group were fighting along the Afghan Taliban. Uh, uh, so, in a way, actually, uh, there are already a kind of sense of victory, a sense of triumph among the militant groups that uh, we won the war. Like uh, if Taliban have uh, been able to, uh, to you know, defeat a superpower. So that kind of thing are quite alarming. Uh, in fact, actually, yes, actually, over the last uh, several years, we have seen that we have regained the control of, um, of our tribal area and TTP has been actually weakened. Uh, they do not have that capacity to, to launch any ma massive operation, terrorist operation. And most of them are now operating from the other side of the border. They fled actually uh, when Pakistan forces uh, moved into Northwest and Southwest and other uh, tribal area. So they moved to, uh, to Afghanistan. There is still about some, uh, according to some estimate, and I think I will also quote UN Security Council Committee report, Monitoring Committee report. They also said that a large number of them are operating from the uh, from the area along the borderline. So, uh, if uh, uh, leave aside actually Taliban taking over uh, control of Kabul, even their control 
over parts of Afghanistan along the along Pakistani border will be quite alarming. Uh, and it will give some kind of boost to Pakistani militants. Uh, and I think probably what we have already seen over the last few months, the activities of Tariq Taliban Pakistan has increased. Their activities in northern North, North Pakistan uh, has been, uh, you know, uh, much more uh, attacks on Pakistani uh, forces. So I think these are the, the facts. So I don't think this perception that Pakistan would like Taliban to take over uh, Afghanistan or set up a government in Afghanistan or set up a old style uh, Islamic Emirate. I don't think it's correct. It's not in Pakistan. Okay, let, let, let me let me let me put that question. I mean, that's a very nuanced uh, uh, and interesting answer. But let me put that question differently. What would Pakistan like uh, Taliban to do? Uh, I mean, apart from looking at uh, Kabul and not at Islamabad. Uh, what would be an ideal um, situation in the minds of the Pakistani decision makers today, uh, given that Taliban is um, emerging quite victorious in, in Afghanistan? What would be an ideal situation for the Pakistani country? Pakistan is still would like actually some kind of political settlement and not military takeover by, by any group. Uh, that will create a, like nobody would be able to control the situation. That's a fact. So it will be again actually a long drawn civil war in Afghanistan. And uh, that means actually uh, not, not physically, but the fragmentation of Afghanistan will have a huge consequence for Pakistan. Like we have seen in the past too, that uh, um, uh, whatever happens in Afghanistan has direct bearing in Pakistan and same and vice versa. So I think probably uh, now this reality has come uh, home. Uh, and the reality is that uh, Okay, that was a uh, that was a different period when the, uh, Pakistan was trying to convince America that they should sit on the negotiating table and talk to Taliban. Once it is done, actually, and the American forces have left, it is a new challenge for for uh, not only for Pakistan for all the neighboring countries. So the the specter of uh, of militants um, group or hardline Islamists uh, ruling Afghanistan. It's not actually a good idea for any so country. You, so let's let's say for the Pakistani, I'm not asking you, I'm not asking you your opinion, but let's say Pakistani, Pakistani state opinion. Um, if there are three options, um, option number one, a long drawn out civil war in Afghanistan, um, a quick takeover by the Taliban uh, of Kabul, and a political settlement of uh, of Afghanistan. Which one would be more preferable? Uh, by the Pakistanis. Political settlement. But why, is that? why is that? You know, that, uh, it's very clear that um, Taliban cannot take over Kabul military. Number one, they do not have that uh, capacity. Or Afghanistan, uh, despite all those things, like they appeared, I know, militarily very strong at this point when compared to others. But it does not mean that they, they, uh, you know, they have a clean sway as they had in 1996. When they moved from Kandahar and they took over Kabul within two years, that's not the situation. That was a completely different uh, uh, situation. And there was actually this uh, uh, civil war and Mujahideen were fighting against the other. But here, actually, there's a strong uh, national Afghan army is also there. There there are strong section which has huge stake in not allowing the, uh, the, uh, the uh, allowing Afghanistan to fall into. Uh, Taliban's lab. So basically, there will be resistance, and that will, that's what I'm saying that the greatest fear of spreading civil war, because if there's no political settlement, which means actually that, that the fighting will continue and that will have a huge problem for, for everyone, actually, not only for Pakistan, but other countries too. So, unstable Afghanistan will, be a, a, will increase Pakistan's own national security problems. Because, uh, you know, this, uh, I, I keep repeating that's not, not 1990s. So, uh, number one, I feel that um, what would be the, cons uh, the fallout effect on the, on the border areas? Um, they, uh, even we have actually uh, put up uh, fencing along the border, but fencing cannot stop because, uh, you know, the same people live on, uh, on the both sides of the border. There will be in flux of refugees. And on top of it, as I, uh, I've said earlier, that it will boost them uh, or give a new boost to Pakistani militant organization. So these are the fears. They are real fears. Right. 
Saizab, you know, according to a Pentagon official, and this 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 was reported in the Dawn newspaper, uh, and I quote: Pakistan has allowed the U.S. military to use its airspace and given access so that it can support its presence in Afghanistan. But Pakistan has formally denied it. What, according to you, is the is the truth? Has the Americans been have the Americans been given um, uh, air bases and ground bases by the Pakistani side or not? No, I think probably there's a this where was confusing you know, because uh, there are two different things. Giving base to uh, to American forces is one thing, and allowing actually uh, Americans the airspace or the ground uh, space. Pakistan has already has a, a, has an agreement for last working for last twenty years, uh, what is called G lock and A lock, air air, uh, air air access as well as the ground line access. So that has been continuing. So that 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 has not changed. So it, it's very different than allowing Americans forces to operate from Pakistan. That's two different things. So what is the ground and, access? Can you define that for us? No, the, the ground access means like that still the Americans uh, earlier supply lines from for the NATO forces came from uh, from Karachi and was from the ground uh, line line it was taken to. To Afghanistan, so that was the main the route of for supply for for American as well as NATO forces for last twenty years, and then they have also been given access air access for the same purpose, not for so, for the military or for the other purposes. So even today, you are saying the Americans would continue to even after withdrawal, the Americans would yes. continue to enjoy transit access to right. transit access. They because they they had they they. Yeah. Every year, this contract is renewed, so we still have that contract. Right, uh, right. So um, until now, it was to fight the Taliban. Why would the Americans need access to Afghanistan through Pakistan from here on if they are withdrawing from Afghanistan? Yeah, if, 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 if whatever actually they need, like, I think probably for uh, take their stuff back to America, they still need some kind of uh, you know uh, that access. Uh, you are right. Actually, after complete withdrawal of American forces, it might not be useful for them. But uh, but at the moment, the reality is that this this agreement between the two countries is still uh, is still working. So obviously, once the American forces are withdrawn, they will they will not need that access. Uh, but uh, what you are mean and what is being uh, uh, eluded is that uh, that Americans will still have the same kind of. Uh, 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 this access or uh, facility to take action inside the body. And that's not, that's a two different thing. They are not, in fact, actually the base, base controversy is unnecessary because right. um, um, Americans have not asked Pakistan, really actually. Uh, uh, formerly I have, they have never asked, that was, uh, a, you know, and they came in the new, some newspaper like New York Times that uh, Americans considering uh, to have some kind of base for operation uh, and in the in the area, there was mission of Pakistan and also actually some some Central Asian countries. But in fact, actually, if you see, Americans still are not very sure what what do they really want in the future. They they are uh, they seem to be in a very hurry uh, to uh, to leave Afghanistan, and they still do not have a clear strategy in place. Actually, what next? And exactly same thing. I I always keep uh, keep uh, giving the example that uh, uh, the exit uh, withdrawal or withdrawal of American forces is as chaotic as their invasion of Afghanistan was. Right, so you are categorically denying that there would be no American bases in Pakistan, but there would be air access and land access uh, for the American troops via Pakistan to Afghanistan. That's that's what it is. No, no, uh, it was not for troops. It was for the supply uh, uh, to the forces in Afghanistan. So as you have said earlier, actually, what will there be any need for that after the complete withdrawal of I don't think there will be need for that. So it's a not new uh, thing which is coming up. It is not uh, something to do with uh, uh, whatever American strategy or plan uh, be in Afghanistan for after the withdrawal. No, it's not for that. It, it, it is not linked with that. Okay. Um, you know, Afghanistan has been the cornerstone of U.S.-Pakistan relations for the last, um, say, four decades or so. You have written, actually, for the past several years, Washington has been, Washington has seen Pakistan purely from the Afghan prison. And there is no indication that the Biden administration will be deviating from that policy approach. 
So what does this mean for U.S.-Pakistan relations going forward? Um, do you, how do you assess the possibility of a reset? If, if, that, if, if, if the Americans are not interested in Afghanistan anymore, where does that leave Pakistan in the American sort of scheme of things in the region? Well, happy uh, uh, moon. This has been a very, very strange relation. I, I have my my new book has just come out, which deals with that subject. No, no win war. Uh, the paradox of uh, U.S.-Pakistan relation in Afghanistan shadow. So, in a way, actually, uh, it, it deals with uh, with the Pakistan-American relation, and you know, that was so roller coaster. On one side, it was. Have been like they were allies, and other uh, they were fighting each other on different levels. So, uh, so I think probably uh, yes, it, it was initially thought that the, the new alignment which came up after 9/11, it was seen as a strategic alliance. But uh, in my view, it was never been a strategic alliance. It was from the very outset, it was a trans, uh, transactional relationship. America needed Pakistan for certain things, like for uh, you know clearing Afghanistan from Taliban and uh, on and also uh, 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 and uh, also actually to fight Al-Qaeda. But um, uh, and the Pakistan was obviously uh, was uh, supported it, supported America as far as fighting against uh, fighting against Al-Qaeda was concerned. But there has a huge reservation over, you know, when it came to uh, to t- to take action against Taliban. In fact, actually, America never initially America never wanted Pakistan to take action Taliban. They knew it very well that the Taliban have moved to Pakistan. But t- until 2005, there was no pressure, and Americans always thought that Taliban were history. And until the insurgency started growing, then there was a pressure. So I think probably, and it becomes worse in last uh, 10 years relationship, and uh, uh, you know what we call frenemy. So in a way, actually, that was friend and enemy. They were cooperating on certain issues, but they were actually there were a lot of uh, divergence of views. How to fight in Afghanistan and what should be actually right. Uh, Zaid Zab, uh, Pakistan's national security advisor, Mohib Yusuf, uh, uh, you know, said a few days ago in a in a in a in an interview in Pakistan, and I quote: "I want to ask this: With what moral standing did the Indian level, high-level official?" meet the Taliban there, he means Doha, did they not feel ashamed? The Indians kept having the Taliban killed daily and kept giving funds for operations against them. And today they have reached there to have talks in Doha. But everyone who fought the Taliban in the 90s and after 2001 did end up talking to the Taliban. Why is it a matter of shame? I don't agree with that, actually. That is, is an issue of shame. Countries have relations. And they have relations with everyone. Um, and I, as a point, I, I completely agree with you that Americans have been talking to Taliban. So are they ashamed? Or they were there ashamed. So in a way, actually, it's, uh, it's up to the countries. How do they manage their relations with uh, any group? So with this is a friend. So I won't say more than that. But let me put it this way. Let me, let me put that. Let, let's not talk about Moid. Let's talk about the Pakistani state, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what would be Pakistan? What would be the Pakistani state's objection to India talking to the Taliban? Is that is that a justifiable objection in your in your mind? Should the Indian side put it differently, reach out to the Taliban, talk to the Taliban? Is it a is it, is it good for regional stability? According, I don't think there's any objection to this. Pro, pro, this is my thinking that I have not heard that the Taliban should not talk to to India or India should not talk to Taliban. That had never been an issue. Uh, I think um, uh, everybody knew that uh, uh, you know, everybody is talking to Taliban now. Uh, and that's what I mentioned about the, they got this international legitimacy. And I, think, I don't think that's an issue. So in, in your personal opinion, uh, notwithstanding what uh, Mohit Yusuf has said, in your personal opinion, it is all right for the Indian government to reach out to the Taliban and have an open dialogue or a secret dialogue with the Taliban. Is that, is that the case? I, I don't think that should be an issue. No, the but, Pakistani so, government seems to have an issue. What is your personal opinion? No, there should not be an issue. Pakistan government also, I don't know whether uh, they have an issue with that. Um, but, is, uh, is the NSA saying that they have an issue? Okay, but let, okay, my point of view is that I mean, uh, you cannot have a control over who, who should Taliban to talk. And I think it's, it's part, you know, everybody can talk to each other. Why should there be any problem? 
let me let me put that more geopolitically. I mean, the the, the complaint from Pakistan for a long time has been that uh, you know India is very close to either the Karzai government or the Ghani government, and therefore uh, you know that is antithetical to Pakistani interests in Afghanistan. Now here is a new situation where the Indians are saying, all right, we are not going to put all our baskets in all our eggs in one basket. We are reaching out to the Taliban too. So ideally, it should uh, it should reduce the Pakistani concerns about the Indian presence in Afghanistan, shouldn't it? Well, I think that that I, I, again, I'm saying I think that should not be the last of uh, of uh, Pakistan government's concern that in, whether India is talking to Taliban or uh, Taliban talking to uh, uh, to uh, to Indian government. The, uh, and um, I think probably it was expected that uh, that uh, at some point Taliban will also open channel to India. Because they feel themselves as a as a government uh, uh, invading type, so I think um, uh, 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 and also uh, yes, actually that uh, could be a cause of concern some in other quarters. Like for example, yes, uh, it was seen that America, as uh, India, was fully backing or supporting the Ghani government. In fact, actually, uh, India uh, India was not very happy with the Hawaii agreement. Uh, if I'm not wrong, actually. They, they did not support it vocally, or I think they had certain reservation about that, that why should America talk to Taliban at that point. So it is a kind of uh, changing situation there. In, in the, uh, so I think that that is not cause of any concern because, uh, you know, ultimately, like, for example, Taliban are very, uh, uh, at one point uh, when they were, uh, they rule Afghanistan in 1996 after that, their relationship with, uh, with Iran was so bad in fact, actually, at one point they were almost on the uh, on the verge of fighting a war. Uh, but uh, and later on, we have seen that a large, uh, quite a large number of uh, Taliban, second or even top-ranking leaders, took refuge in, in Iran, and Iran had been in and providing uh, arms to Taliban in, to fight Daesh for different reasons. And so this is all kind of, you know, and, uh, uh, going on. Afghanistan is a very complicated story. And uh, so, uh, like, for example, Mullah Akhtar Mansur, who, who basically was a successor of Mullah Omar, the, mm. who was uh, the chief of Taliban. And uh, his family was living in, in Iran. And in fact, actually, he was killed in drone attack while he was coming back from Iran to Pakistan. Right. So, and this kind of, you know, like, for example, Russia has also been supporting Taliban in certain areas. It does not mean that Russia wants Taliban to take over Afghanistan. No, even Iran would not like to accept a complete control of Taliban. So this is all kind of, you know, this, uh, uh, how the nation uh, deal with the situation. So, right, right. You know, I, 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 sh I should ask you this question about uh, um, the, the, quote-unquote, return of Taliban to Afghanistan, how will that impact on regional geopolitics? Uh, say, for instance, uh, um, let's take the Kashmir question, for example. I mean, there, are, I mean there, there, is, there is now a conversation between New Delhi and uh, the Kashmiri political parties on the Kashmir question. There is a ceasefire uh, on the line of control between the two sides. Do you think the, uh, the, the return of the Taliban has somehow uh, occasioned the possibility of a thawing of the relationship between India and Pakistan, especially on the question of Kashmir. No, I don't think that. Uh, yeah, I've read actually this kind of concern in India that uh, Taliban control over Afghanistan or uh, that changing situation in Afghanistan will have some kind of uh, bearing on Kashmir situation. I, I don't think it's correct assessment. It's more of a political thing rather than actually having any concrete basis for that. Uh, how can actually Taliban control can change the whole thing uh, of Kashmir? Like, it's no more actually that they will uh, Taliban after uh, taking over Kabul, they were not going to <laughs> head towards Kashmir to liberate it. I doubt it. Maybe. So I think probably it's. Um, uh, I think the worry comes from the late uh, late 1980s, early 1990s. That's right. I agree. And it, 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 I, I followed that whole thing, but it was also exaggerated. <laughs> Taliban, Taliban, Taliban connection to Kashmir situation has always been exaggerated. Exaggerated, but not non-existent. Little bit, like for example, yes, militant, militant organization were there. There's no doubt about that. But uh, I'm just saying, equating those militant organization directly with Taliban is also interesting. There are different shades of uh, militant groups. So no, I, I don't. 
uh, let me let me put it this way. I think I think the the writing in India, the literature in India by former officials and analysts is that the Pakistani ISI used some of the uh, fighters from Taliban from Taliban from Afghanistan and brought them to Kashmir because Kashmir was, um, as you know, um, um, you know, in 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 a, in a great state at that point of time in the late 1980s, and you know that sort of uh, acted as a force multiplier for the fighting uh, uh, against India. In no, I think it's incorrect. Even at that point, I leave aside actually what's going to happen now. Uh, and uh, uh, that, that's out of question completely. And even 1980s, how many Afghans were actually caught or basically you know, seen fighting inside Kashmir? How many Afghans? I doubt yeah, it. You're, you're right. I mean, not a, not a large number, but the presence cannot be ruled out. That's, that's the point. No, I think probably it's, it's, a, it's a, what I guess is more of a political, you know, like. Uh, Taliban, look actually, even Americans now recognize that Taliban are much more interested in Afghanistan than anything else. They're not part of the global jihad as such. And that was one of the you know, justification Americans policy makers had when they were talking to Taliban. I mean, that, that the Taliban are not part of the global jihad. They may have some association with some of the groups, like at one point, some faction of, uh, of Taliban had association with Al-Qaeda, there's no doubt about it. But um, to say that um, and they will be more in, uh, they will be after taking over Kabul, they were not going to uh, to have their focus at, uh, at, or uh, as a, it means actually they they have a global agenda. They don't have global agenda. But, I mean, I, I I don't disagree with you at all about uh, perhaps the uh, current situation. But I think we seem to have a slight degree of disagreement on the late eighties uh, part of it. But let's let's sort of. Yeah. let's sort of move on. I mean, I want I want to sort of talk about uh, uh, the Chinese presence. Uh, um, in the region. Now that the Americans are going out of Afghanistan, what geopolitical opportunities does it open up uh, for China uh, inside inside Afghanistan? Um, so, and, and how does China sort of perceive its uh, future vis-a-vis -vis Afghanistan and the region at large as it were? Well, China has uh, has taken a very cautious position and a very prudent uh, in Afghanistan. Uh, they have not been directly involved in any of the one thing, but maintain a relation, good relationship with uh, with both Karzai and Ghani government. And they have also had a good relations with Taliban. Means, um, good relations means uh, does not mean that they were supporting it. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why they have been able to arrange the first, first meeting. It was informal between the Afghan government delegation and Taliban in Rumchi. I think it was uh, uh, before even about 2014. That was the first meeting, uh, the direct meeting between them, uh, one government and it. So, but I think probably and China's interest was much more on the economic side, you know, the investment side, and they have were supposed to be one of the biggest investors uh, in uh, in minerals and other uh, other areas. But it did not work actually, that for sure. But uh, at one point they showed some interest in that. And I think for China, <coughs> sorry. <coughs> China, in fact, China will be much more interested uh, in a political settlement, uh, also like other countries. I think probably there's one thing, there's one consensus, uh, one could say among the you know, neighboring countries that uh, they, <coughs> there should be some kind of political settlement and no one, no, no party should be allowed to take over later. Here's my last question. What um, um, role do you think the SCO contact group Group of, of on, on Afghanistan uh, play in the um, coming months. The Shanghai Cooperation Organization uh, contact yeah. group for Afghanistan. Yeah, but um, they they may have some role, but I don't think that could have uh, some kind of decisive or uh, you know a role they can play. Uh, the country that's a good forum where they, all the member countries could actually discuss the issue of Afghanistan also, besides other uh, regional problem. So that is basically they, uh, that will have some positive impact on them, um, and I think um, uh, this kind of pressure uh, from if there is some kind of agreement among among the neighboring countries and members of the Shanghai group, so obviously that will make some kind of difference and could play a role in bringing uh, the two sides to some negotiating table. But right. I mean, let me ask one more question before sure. I. Uh, and I want to go back to what you wrote in the dawn. I think that's that's a very defining sort of a statement that you you write in the dawn. 
the Taliban's military success across the border is ominous for Pakistan's national security. Now, that's a, that's a very counterintuitive sort of uh, uh, argument, at least for a lot of people who are based outside Pakistan, right? Um, so given that context, um, if, if it is not triumphalism that is, that is uh, operating in Afghanistan, and there are really concerns about what is happening in Afghanistan, within, within Pakistan, is it, is it therefore um, a useful idea for the Pakistanis to sort of think of uh, getting into a conversation with, say, for example, uh, its neighbors, including India, uh, on, the, on the Afghan question, on what might happen in, the, in Afghanistan in the days to come, in the, in the months to come? Well, I think um, the concern, as I already you know, had discussed, actually, what will be the effect of Taliban control and uh, Pakistan. That's one of the major concerns for Pakistan, that reactivation or basically uh, their, their, their kind of uh, sense of triumphant, triumphism you have, will, have, will have an effect, number one. Number two, whenever uh, in it, or, um, uh, if the instability gets more um, more serious and the war spreads in Afghanistan, then there will be huge influx of refugees. Uh, you can't stop them, despite uh, this uh, fencing or whatever. Pakistan can will not be able to stop the influx of refugees. Number two, actually, um, which means if if, uh, if the war uh, spreads, civil war spreads, then the main concern that obviously. You know, Pakistan is already there in the situation. It's not like actually that some, it's like not sitting in America, it's not America sitting about 10,000 miles away. It's Pakistan basically at the same border and whatever happened there will have a direct impact on that. So these are the multiple, uh, like for example, uh, no, it's not like actually the Pakistan will still like to have the support of uh, other countries, for example, regional countries. Uh, could make it a, a point to Taliban that look, actually, it will not work to take over Taliban. But I think, um, as far as Pakistan's relation with India is concerned, uh, that has a different, uh, you know, uh, uh, online. It's not. Uh, it does not uh, depend uh, uh, on on whatever happens in Afghanistan. And that will be a side thing. You know, there are other major issues between the two countries. If, uh, uh, they need to sort out, sort it out before they can um, be together on other issues. Right. Uh, fascinating insights. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Zab. It's been really wonderful talking. Thank you. Thank so you, Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you like this podcast, please rate and follow us. For regular updates, you can also follow our Twitter handle NSC with HJ or our Facebook page, National Security Conversations with Happy Mon Jacob.